Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. The following program is presented by the Nerdy Show Podcast Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by A Comic Shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination, and with the generous support of listeners like you. For more Nerdy Show podcasts, community forums, and learn how you can support this and other Nerdy Show programming, visit nerdyshow.com. This is David X. Cohen, ex-executive producer of Futurama, and you are listening to The Nerdy Show. Welcome to Nerdy Show, a weekly podcast dedicated to every facet of nerddom, from comics and video games to science and technology. If it's geeky, we've got it covered. Hi, I'm Cap. I'm Brandon. I'm Colin. Hi, I'm Matt. And this is day two of E3, and the fourth episode of our E3 coverage. We're here in LA, in the glorious kitchen of Matthew Spill, and uh, we're going to talk about the things we saw at the longest day of E3. We man, we saw a lot of stuff. It's hard to even believe that this morning was this morning and not like a full day ago. Yeah. Um, we started uh, bright and early with uh, seeing some Namco Bandai stuff, seeing what they were got cooking over there. Uh, and you know, I'm not a, I'm not a Dragon Ball fan. I'm not a Dragon Ball fan, guys. But I checked out this new Dragon Ball game, which apparently, if you are a Dragon Ball fan. Is the bee's knees? I believe it's called Dragon Ball Zooniverse. Zenoverse. Zenoverse. Why did you think it was called Zooniverse? I thought it was Dragon Ball Z Universe. No, it's Zenoverse, <laughs> like like an alien. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, it's it's interesting <laughs> because it uh, apparently that was funny. <laughs> I don't know. These guys are holding their heads. They can't even handle it. It's been. I mean, this is the day where everybody's tired because they were up late and then woke up early so if you guys can just tell this one's going to be a little meandering i'm just apologizing from for now for the future (laughs) okay so uh so we see it's basically it's an it's practically an open world dragon ball fighting game for the first time ever it for the first time ever for dragon for dragon ball games and this is uh like in previous dragon ball games you'd have to you'd select three different kinds of goku's in this Dragon Ball game, there's one kind of Goku, and he can and he turns Super Saiyan. It's not a separate character. Is it a Diet Goku? <laughs> no, it's a Goku Zero um, <laughs> with lime. These are jokes no one's gonna get. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck is happening here? Anyway, uh, Dragon Ball Budokai. Uh, when I worked at Sam Goody back in the day in high school, there was probably no bigger fighting game that people were buying. People were absolutely nuts for it back on the PS2. I love Dragon Ball Booty Call. Dragon Ball Booty Call, one through three on the PlayStation Two. Um, it, it was uh, it was Namco Bandai and the studio Dimps. Well, they're back with Dimps, so this is like this whole reunion of the like the best the best possible equation for what could happen in a Dragon Ball game. You got uh, just 
possibly completely destructive terrain, at least semi-destructive. Currently, there's still not a lot known right now. It's also not... This was in, like, pre-pre-pre-alpha. Yeah. I mean, it was... They usually have really good fighting games. But uh, they're they're building this for the next gen, so Dragon Ball fans, be prepared. This could be cool. And they've shown off some kind of uh, character no one can identify with a lot of different uh, attributes of various Dragon Ball characters merged into one. He had a capsule uh, patch and a coat with a long... Uh, trailing, like, scarf or cape with red spiky hair. Chrono! Maybe. It was weird. They, they sound like there was, there's a lot of, lots of Dragon Ball speculation already going on as to when this takes place, what's going on, and they are apparently doing something interesting, balancing it between the show and the manga and some degree of continuity, but they couldn't say fucking anything. So, uh, but it, but it looks very, very promising. It looks like this could be the Dragon Ball game that maybe you've been waiting for since Budokai Three, and that's that's something. But Brandon, you checked out something different. Well, I I haven't really delved into the Tales of series because there are many. But this was Tales of um, Exilia Two, um, as they called it. I never played the first one. Um, if you've played a JRPG, then you've probably played this game already. <laughs> um, even though it's not out yet. Essentially, it's got a lot of JRPG nonsense, like, I have to protect this girl that I just met for no reason, because it's my duty. And it's like, you know, and it goes into crazy shit, like one-winged angels later, just fucked up shit that, for no reason. Um, There was one aspect of the game that seemed cool, though, because they described to me in the first game that the world, there's two different worlds, and they're kind of connected, but it's really hard to get to them. Like, they're kind of like, they have fairy tale stories of each other existing, but they're like right next to each other. But I don't know. They're, they try to describe there's some weird barrier to get through them. Anyway, one world is kind of like Middle Earth. There's fairies and magic. In the new game, you play the other one where it's like steampunk and corporations. And your main goal is to try to get to that other world. So at some point, you're going to be going into this other world with fairies and magic and dragons and shit. And you're going to have guns. And that part seemed cool. Other than that, um, it has ridiculous shit. And I want to tell you, here's the name of their battle system. And here's a JRPG for you. The Double Raid Linear Motion Battle System, or called the DR slash LMBS. Oh, Jesus <laughs> um, fucking Christ. So, there's a JRPG for you. You can switch between different combat styles instantly. And, and, and important Matt is shaking yeah. his head, and he has been this whole time. Now, now if, you, if, you, if you are a fan of the Tales of series, because I hear a lot, a lot of good things about it from um, people I know, this imports all your stuff from the first game, and all of the downloadable content from the first game is actually compatible with the second game. Like, costumes and things. Also... That's, that's a good feature. Oh, wait. Here's the weird thing I've never heard of before. All of the new DLC for the second game is backwards compatible for the first game. And I have and never dead, heard of that, And yeah. Dead Silence. So, I don't know if that means that the, the DLC for the second game has been in production for a bazillion years and was already in the first game, and they just unlock it or downloads to it. I don't know. But it's mostly costumes and outfits. I don't know if it's mm. anything else. Um... Yeah, you know, it's got your average, you've got quests and rankings and skill trees, but other than that, if it's a JRPG, you've, you've played it before. So, But if you like the Tales of series, it looks really promising. And for the first time, they announced they're, they're releasing their first Western soon. Even Western? Though, even though all of the characters still look like, um, you know, anime characters. But, um, yeah, Western. Oh, well, okay. oh, oh, and here's the thing about Tales of, of, of Exilia 2 that I don't like, as, as we you know as well, a lot of other shit. There's no Japanese voiceover, and the English voiceover is horrible. But you yeah. can't switch it, so. Fun! Yay. Okay, well, uh, but, there, but there's, there's more thing. in store there's, for Namco There Bandai. is more, ladies and gentlemen. We were hanging out with Namco Bandai for a while. They had a lot of stuff. Apparently, they, they run the whole gamut of every type of genre, except sports, I think. 
um, right now for, for every type of game you can imagine. And we, we ran into Lords of the Fallen, and we got some hands-on experience as well as uh, an interview, which well, I guess we'll link to that. Yeah, uh, and, and by the way, speaking of interviews, um, if you're listening to this just as it came out, we've, we've got our, our Telltale interview up. Uh, we've got our Disney uh, Interactive interview up where we talk about um, Disney Infinity Marvel superheroes. And um, and chances are, you're listening to this so far in the future, there's even more. Go to nerdyshow.com slash e3 2014. Uh, lots of additional insights to the stuff we talk about in these podcasts. So Lord, Lords of the Fallen, and I'm just going to say it outright, is a Dark Souls clone. Now, when I... Which is funny because Namco Bandai produces Dark Souls. Yes, but when I interviewed uh, uh, someone about this, he was just like, oh, no. And I was like, well, you were trying to capture the demographic. Well, you and interviewed like, yes. the executive producer. Well, the executive producer. Bre- okay. Brandon and his devil-may-care attitude. And I don't mean to put him down, but it was like blatantly, exactly same controls. Like, I picked up the game immediately. If same you, controls. If you had slapped a sign on, on this game that said Dark Souls 3... I would have not questioned it and totally believed you that that's what it was. And he said they said they wanted to take out a lot of the punishing aspects of Dark Souls because they wanted to make it more friendly for people. Dark to Souls jump is in. a game where you are punished by difficulty. Here's the thing: I found this game way harder than Dark Souls. I couldn't get past two enemies with shields, and, and the guy was like, "Oh, we made, we tried to make this game not as hard," and I was like, "Well, you failed because." That's like I was. I was like that is literally what he. I said. was like I might just suck, but like there was nothing I could do against these enemies. I couldn't roll behind them. I couldn't backstab them. I couldn't do anything to them. So from my point of view, it looks like they tried to make a Dark Souls, and was like, you know what? People think that game is hard. We're gonna make this even harder, but we're gonna say it's not. And it, it is ridiculously hard. Well, what you told me was is you because you like a hard game. We all like hard. But games. that okay, we that all seems... like nice hard games here. There's on a difference show. between a hard or a hard game where it's like this is really fun, even though I'm losing and I'm gonna try to beat it, or a game that seems needlessly hard where they're like we're gonna just throw these things in here and good luck. You know, there's a huge difference between having fun with something that's hard and and just trying to beat something that they made hard for no reason. And like, that's what I feel. I feel it doesn't capture the atmosphere or the environment is all at all in Dark Souls. And you know that's what they're trying to copy. Just from looking at it, one minute of gameplay, the menus, the skills, everything. It's like Dark Souls. It was a pretty game, though. Oh, it's pretty. But it's a, it's totally Dark Souls. Uh, so the game is probably, you know, really good. Even though it's, you know, trying to be something that I, I don't think it's going to do successfully. But like I said, I only played it for like five minutes. And the, the story, which you can hear in the interview, seemed a bit compelling. So... It is probably a good game. It's just going to take a while to get used to for me. So I want to cut ahead from all the, the tepid weirdness we started with with Namco Bandai, which is how our day started, admittedly. I mean, you don't know what's going to happen in E3. Some good, some bad. Yeah, um, right. You know, facts of life. And, uh, and, and mostly, I think most of these games just aren't, weren't, weren't for us for, for the most part. However, uh, let's skip ahead to something that just fucking blew my mind because I want to I really, really, really want to talk about it. Alien Isolation. You've probably seen the trailers by now. It's a game that is based on the Ridley Scott alien. Not really many traces of um, aliens. And it's all about being alone against a xenomorph in a situation where uh, it's unkillable. You cannot, you cannot kill this thing. It is the ultimate boogeyman. And uh, we're skeptical because, you know, we were burned by Sega and Aliens Colonial Marines. This is a different developer uh, being distributed through Sega. But Colonial Marines looked great. I saw an amazing preview. And that game, when it was released, ended up being complete and total bullshit. So, obviously, we're suspicious here. But, guys, I don't... 
again, I play I this new game. I played it. I saw a video. It was incredible. Uh, Brandon, you played it. Colin, you played it as well. I, I don't know about you guys, but it was for me. Uh, it was as terrifying as the first time I saw the film as a kid. It was really hard. Yeah. Like, ridiculously. It was really hard. I mean, like, Brandon at the very beginning, because when Brandon came a little uh, little later in to the, into the demo, and when I first started playing, I was immediately terrified because they put headphones on, and that's the best way to play this game. Yeah. Is to either play it with headphones in the dark or with a really good the, surround like, these system. These headphones had, like, rumble features in yeah. them. Like, yeah. Either play it with the best sound system you got or, or fully, like, ear-cupping headphones. No joke, guys. I... I mean this. Accessorize for this game. It will blow your fucking like, mind. Well, like they were trying to say, like, the main character in this game, besides the Xenomorph, is, like, the sounds. Yeah. The atmosphere and the sounds, yeah. which you need to hear. And in the very beginning of the game, um, and you're playing as Amanda Ripley, um, and who has come back to try and discover her her, her mother's disappearance and yeah. why she's gone. Like, the, the mystery of what happened to Ellen Ripley. Right. So, anyway, so you're in this... Uh, should not have done that, probably. Yes, no, she really should Bad not have move. done that. She, so she, you're in this uh, abandoned space station with this amazing atmosphere of light and sound that is just Flashing so lights, terrifying lights. and is so reminiscent of the first film. You can almost feel the, the, the fog particles that are in the room. Like, the atmosphere is so dense and so uh, terrifying that every single move or sound immediately startles you and most of the time it's because it's the fucking alien and you pull out your motion tracker and there's this light coming towards you and you have to hide immediately because you can't fight it brandon when he came into when he came into take over for me like immediately he was like every he kept dying over and over and over again because he would pick up the flamethrower and flow and try and blow up the alien never worked he would try and run after the alien it wouldn't always find him he would throw a flare it wouldn't work brandon died a billion times before he realized you have to hide. I, like, and you have yeah. to hide in so many interesting and different ways because the alien AI is so well designed that no matter where you are, there's a constant threat of that alien finding. It actually, there was uh, there was never a moment when I wasn't like, this, yo, I'm in a safe area. Never. Yeah. No, it was just like, now granted, yeah. I didn't, you know, I haven't it, played a lot of the games. It's game. overwhelming how unsafe you are. And, like, um, yeah. It was, I was, I was in a tube uh, crawling through, I thought the xenomorph was like nowhere near me. I saw a blip on the screen, and I'm I'm crawling through the tube. I'm almost out. I think there might be a chance that the xenomorph is actually in front of me. I'm being cautious. All of a sudden, I'm pulled from behind and like and just get gouged in the face by that little like tiny mouth inside the other mouth. Yeah. And oh my god, uh, we were we were what we were playing was challenge mode, something that they announced uh, at the show, mm-hmm. which is uh, they'll put they'll put you in a small arena and they'll give you some objectives that are um, optional, but you get more points for them. And it's still the same survival horror game that uh, the regular game is. It's just devoid of the narrative. It's like here's a room, here's a, here's a little bit of equipment, and uh, man, try not to die. And <laughs> I I never succeeded, not even once. I didn't even get close. Yeah, I got close, but I I, I couldn't. Like, I, I activated a generator, and I had to get back, and I, I almost did, guys. Any noise. Walking fast. Yeah. Anything you do. Using a... Having a weapon out, like, can trigger sounds. Like, using a weapon can be very bad. And, and that that's another thing. When we saw parts of the actual game, the main game, um, I thought you were completely alone, but there are synthetics and humans, too, every now and then. And they will fuck with you. 
It's, yeah. They're they, just they, as dangerous. They, yeah, they talk about how um, since the human beings have been terrorized by the Xeno, there has been... The, the, you don't know if you can trust any of the humans because they either might be crazy or they, if they, as soon as they see you or hear you, they might shoot you if you have a gun, if they have a gun. Also, uh, the synthetics are... How creepy were the synthetics? You're in a, you're in a hospital, guy. and they have gone completely wrong, so they think that they are, quote-unquote, fixing you, but they're <laughs> fucking they're strangling you. So, like, we had a synthetic that was, like, attacking uh, the in the demo, and he was, like, strangling her. And, and she nothing was working. And nothing was working to able to... I mean, he was a tough it was. You're not a fighter, you're not a soldier, you're not a warrior. You know, you're just yeah. this girl. Yeah, with a fucking you. motion tracker. Yeah. And like things, and that she you didn't find. even she didn't even come with that. She found it in the beginning of the game. Yeah, the whole game is about discovery and exploration and finding things in order to create. Um, uh, there's a crafting system where you can get all sorts of different items, put them together to create a medical kit, all sorts of stuff like that. It's, it's, it's co- cobbled to together a, garbage. And yeah. like, what's interesting is I, I was a little worried that it might turn into like Bioshock and like oh, come in the room, grab all the crap I can, just like no. you know. Uh, but no. but no, in fact, grabbing all the crap is actually uh, you know it, it's and different. they said supplies is even scarce. You're not even gonna get that yeah. much stuff, right? To grab. But there right. and there are elements of puzzles and trying to find like a way to open doors and yeah. and power things and stuff. But and the motion tracker isn't perfect because the Xeno can be above you or below you. That, yeah, they said that yeah. it was great. They they stressed how no piece of equipment you have is particularly good. Like, <laughs> like because like the technology is so retro. Everything is flawed. Absolutely everything you have is flawed. Nothing is going to keep you safe. So no door, no tube, nothing. I have a question. Yes. Um, <clears throat> well, you can hold your breath when you're hiding. When the alien is right up, if you don't hold That's your breath, cool. like if it actually does think you're near and it's right next to you and you're hiding, if you don't hold it your goes, breath, it goes. You can see it come close to the to where you're hiding. And you can press the button to hold your breath. And if you do it for too long, you start getting damaged. You start, like the red, the red starts to come in. You can hear her going. Because she's like trying to hold her breath as much as possible, and then she lets it out right at the end. I mean, it's like fucking nuts. And hope, and, and, and we didn't see if like she got caught for letting her breath out, but the Xeno was leaving by the time she had to like, and, yeah. oh, like exhale. And the it music, the music changes based on your situation. If suddenly there's an alien near, the music will start playing different instruments. Yeah, and it'll get louder or softer. Yeah, it was like, awesome. Instantly, it was. But awesome. Matt had a question. But what was your Sorry, question? Matt? <laughs> was. Uh, well, my, my question, it seems very uh, involved into being, like, the real or actually just being the movie experience of Alien. How long, I know you haven't, you haven't talked to any developers yet. We're talking to somebody tomorrow. Yeah, we have an interview tomorrow. How long do you think this game is going to be? It took me 30 minutes to go across a room because there was an alien in it. I mean, it really depends on how you play. They said there's multiple ways to do everything. You know, even if it's short, it'll end up being so much of an experience. I won't be able. Well, to that that it. was my question: is if this game ends up being, in some ways, movie length, you mm-hmm. know, or maybe right. like four or five right. hours. Survival horror games already aren't the longest genre right. out there. Even ones that are, you know, highly interactive with you know shooting and all that stuff end up being like you know six seven hour like shooters space. sometimes. Yeah. yeah, but it doesn't deter do you the think experience. This has the potential of being a worthwhile $60 purchase for... And, and I, I mean, it's just... A, it's not it's not a naysaying question. This is actually... If this game ended up being four hours, from what you've seen, is it worth a full price? Uh, based on the admission? experience, if I fully immersed myself in the world by preparing the room that I was going to experience it in, 
Yes. Yeah, if it was pitch oh, black and I had to go it felt it felt like you it truly felt like you were in the alien yeah. film. When I played yeah. Alan Wake and this is I've done this for many games, uh, Walking Dead included, like, you know, I make make sure the conditions are right. I want to I want to be in the experience. It's all I'm only going to play it at night. Mm-hmm. You know, no distractions and all that. Uh this and this is a game that not only would I do that for, this is a game that would influence uh it comes out this fall. That Basically means October I will 7th. I will get a next gen system this fall, like it is something that I need to experience. Not, I hope that only, I will be able to do this in a timely fashion. Not you know, only you know. are you going to um, get a next gen system, get this game, but probably try to find the best headphones <laughs> to play with this game because I don't have a good pair of headphones like you, and I would definitely pay sixty dollars for this game and buy a really good pair of headphones just to play this game. No, it's it's it's. I, I don't think I can play this game without the headphone experience at this point. Yeah, no, it's an incredible. It's going to be. I, I mean, we might get an Aliens Colonial Marines. You it, never know. It, it could happen. It could happen it, because you can't. I mean, I get you can't trust anything nowadays. But man, it looks so good. And even though we were burned by that, even though that this game experience was so good, we gave it one of our three best in show awards. Yeah, right. yeah. I mean the. I mean, and and it's also got all that classic fun stuff because uh, Brandon. And uh, in, oh, in the demo, they they um, uh, made the evacuation uh, call happen for the hospital. So uh, in order to open up a certain door, and it had the alarm from from Alien, like the and the li- and the, and you had these flashing yellow lights. And not only so, that, but there were different alarm sounds. So in different rooms. perfectly stylized. It's so good. The, the like the level design because they yeah, cap they capture the feeling of like, that film. You have to fil- spend so much time in a room because you're like cowering under a bench or whatever that like all every detail like it's just so detailed it makes me crazy um i really i really hope that this game is exactly what it appears to be yeah um so we have maybe spent half an episode now talking about (laughs) this Uh, one's gonna be a long one because this was a long day yeah so what's next let's talk about something a little lighthearted we found um a few indie games yeah yeah we spent some time with some good indie games um so one was paparazzi yeah um, a work in development yeah, it's a, it's it's just a, it's a pixely game. Uh, one player plays, uh, well, uses a, a game controller to play the uh, celebrity, and another player uses a mouse to be the paparazzi. The celebrity is uh, a, a you know little pixel man running around between crowds of people and ducking behind buildings in these like kind of amorphous stylized uh, planes of pixels. And uh, the paparazzi is basically a photo frame, and you try to get as many pictures of this little man as you can. And they told me that what they want to end up doing with the game is basically they want it so you play as a celebrity and there's sort of some sort of skill involvement where you're trying to do celebrity things and then you have the other character that's trying to do paparazzi things and gain money and better cameras and shit and they can just jump in at any time when you're trying to do celebrity stuff and just try to take pictures of you and you've got to dodge them even though you're trying to accomplish other things. And it was really cool. These guys were at the IndieCade booth um, today. Like IndieCade... uh... They've just exploded this year. They weren't just video games. They were also like interactive art and as well as card games. Um, pretty impressive display. We only scratched the surface. And uh, Paparazzi is actually being kickstarted right now. So we'll link to where you can uh, check. Well, go to their Kickstarter. Give them some funds. Yeah, it's um, just two guys and they're really nice guys. So Yeah, and, and they're only asking for $5,000 and they're already a quarter of the way there or so. Yeah. So yeah, they're doing good. Throw some money and get a cool game. Oh, yeah. So what was the other game we saw that was pretty impressive? Celestia. Yeah, man, this is this is something different. Um, made by one woman. Um, it's a game that you play by singing, and uh, and not in any not not like rock band, not like SingStar. Um, 
you play a, a small star or a speck of light that wants to become a star and you move along this course in the orbit of other stars. Some stars, you can sing a certain pitch like, uh, and that, that will pull more uh, flames from those stars to grow, you, to grow your star. But then blue stars, they actually send out bolts that will like destroy you and just take your little, little star apart. And so in order, you have to then sing a different like pitch note to create a force field that will deflect that beam. Uh, and we were bad at it. Well, um, Brandon and, and Cap were bad. I got a little bit farther. You got the farthest because you you have a wonderful singing voice. It's not. It's not. You? It's it, 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 you don't have to sing well. It, this is a very interesting game in that it is very specific about pitch. It's, it's a precise note, and I mean, like if it's it said like G three or yeah. whatever, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to read music. Right. I don't know what that is. She had to play uh, like it's it's a very it's very much uh, um, singing by ear. So that what you are hearing, because she was helping by playing a certain um, key on the piano, like a, a, a quote-unquote piano. And so you had to match your pitch to that to that tone from the piano. I mean, there's a built-in thing in the game where you could just press it and then, and then make a note and see if it syncs up with the note. Right, exactly. And, that, and that's what she was showing with, yeah, the, piano, yeah, yeah. with the piano keys, and the, to show the two different things. Mm-hmm. So um, those were only two of the aspects of the game. There were all sorts of stuff that are going to be uh, led into later on in later, harder levels. Yeah, so. it, what's interesting about this is it actually is a certain, there's a certain amount of vocal training that you, you could do with it. Like, it's... It's so precise. It's something you could, you will get good at, you know. And she actually was is collaborating with a woman who has, uh, who's a, who's a singer who has gotten good enough at it that she can freestyle to a certain degree because she sees what's happening. She knows uh, what the pitches are, and she actually can use um, Celestia almost as a visual instrument, uh, which is really cool. Now, if this sounds too amorphous and weird, we've got a video. So hopefully it'll make a little bit more sense then. I didn't. I think I believe I recall that she said uh, later on in the game you you can get so good at it that you can actually start kind of free roaming as this little star and going like different like you just move. You'll learn the moves that like so many different moves just by like that, different tunes. That almost. is what something. That's, that's how I understood it as well. It sounds crazy given what we what we saw, but it, it takes a long like it takes a while to master it, but it's very rewarding. It makes you want to do it over and over. Yeah, and her goal is to get it on mobile platforms because phones have a microphone already built into the platform. So I, you I just can, can't wait. You can use that as you know the game device is also the microphone. So. There's someone waiting at a bus stop going, uh, <laughs> and then you can look, and then you can look at them and go. I know what you're doing. Celestia! Yeah. Yeah. And they'll be like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> awesome. So <laughs> that was a cool. sweet love song from a so, woman back home. Yeah, so definitely check out the video that is forthcoming. It'll probably be released on Friday. But yeah, no, that, that uh, Celestia is a very, very cool game. Um, a few blurbs of news. Um, specifically, they released the um, What Comes with the Dragon Age Inquisition Collector's Edition. Oh, yeah? What is that? Uh, basically, okay, so it's like 170 bucks, and you're like, oh, that's expensive. But here's Christ. Okay, okay, okay. It's 169 yeah, okay? So really, it's a penny cheaper than what I just said. So just chill the fuck out. <laughs> oh, okay, right. it's reasonable. It comes with a very large, <laughs> very detailed case, wrapped in faux reptile skin. You think they could have gotten real reptile skin? Um, it has, is, it, it, is it dragon skin? Well, it's, I guess, is it the dragon skin, skin of the Mortal Kombat character reptile? <laughs> yes, it is. Um, it's, it's marked in gold foil with the stamp of the Inquisitor and the whole inside of the box is lined in red silk. In the box, there is a very large, very detailed cloth map 
Wait, 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 wait. What's in the box? Wait, wait. 72 card um, Arcana Tarot card deck set with all the Dragon Age, like, symbols and characters. Witchcraft! Oh, um, it has a full scale <laughs> six tool lock pits pick set. Replica Jeez. of the game. I thought the Inquisitors were weeding out the witches. No, no, it turns out they're all a bunch of thieving dicks. Um, full four scale map markers, which I don't know why you need those, but I guess you can mark, like, I've been here in the game, or this is where I am. Comes with an Inquisitor's badge, a quill and ink pot, like, fully functional, um, a 40-page journal, replicas of the Orlesian uh, coins that are in the game, and a steel bookcase to house the game, as well as bonus additional, uh, like, content in the game, like a bog evil-looking unicorn that you can ride. It's nice that it comes with the steelbook, because... Oh, and it comes so, with the soundtrack, digital and, like, physical. So, it's nice that it comes with the steelbook, so that when you inevitably take all that other stuff and just put it in the back of your closet, that you have a, you know, a convenient-sized <laughs> thing to put on your bookcase. That, that's my problem with collector's editions, is I exactly. always, love, I always buy, buy them for games that I really want, and then realize, this doesn't fit conveniently anywhere. Yeah. So it ends up in the back of the closet, and the game, you know, yeah. uh, uh, makes something of my own to house it. Right. I uh, I would think that it was cool if, one, they sent you the box, but uh, outside of the box were the lockpicks, and you had to use the lockpicks in order to open mm. the box. Oh, yeah. First of all. And if you could jam the lock, it never opens. Exactly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> secondly... Uh, I would agree with you is that I would say about 90% of any collector's edition that has ever been purchased, not, and I'm making a sweeping generalization that I'm 100% is true, yeah. uh, that 90% of collector boxes that are, that are purchased, $170, whatever, they're just in the backs of closets. Yes. All yeah, my, my Nino, Nino Cooney collector's edition like box is somewhere else while the game is out. Right, yeah, right. all that stuff is just However, the lockpick set, I mean, you could use technically. Right. And the map might come in handy in the game, so you know where you are. Yeah. Unless there's an in-game map. Oh, there probably is. Anyway, so... Yeah, you know, where where does this information come from? I mean, you, you just pulled us out of nowhere. We haven't even talked about this. Well, no, I, I was, while we were waiting for the showroom floor to open, I did some research for things that were announced, and oh. that's what I read. So if you haven't been following, like, what's been released in the announcements, I'm just telling you some of the stuff. Then what'd you do, what'd you do to the computer right when we were leaving? I didn't do anything. Just an image popped up, and it, on it was Willow. <laughs> <laughs> We changed the background. We, you know, we got sp- to spread it around. Yeah, we, we're going to work on more computers tomorrow to change. But yeah, we'll, we'll get that. later. Cap was saying that he's uh, adjusting the collective unconscious, so yeah. that you know, so that we'll get our Willow game. This, this, this is the origin of the uh, the very benevolent uh, Willow virus that will start spreading <laughs> from here. It'll become a thing. Just yeah. leave Willow. So, what else did we see today? Stopped um, over in the Atlas booth. Yeah, what you see at Atlas? We um, weren't there for that. That was a that was a Brandon exclusive. Well, a lot of it was Persona Four shit, and the Persona game. I mean, come on, Persona games are good. Whatever, they're they're all right. But it is it but, is actually crazy how much Persona stuff they're releasing. No, now. it's, it's I, I think really even a Persona popular. fan would be no, kind of no, put off, maybe. But they what I saw was a, a Persona Four Arena game, which is basically like you know a Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat. It's a fighting game between characters. It's you know it's animated, it's two D, whatever. They also had a uh, Persona 4 dancing game. Uh-huh. And I want to know okay. how many Persona 4 games they can make based off of Persona 4. Is, is there a Persona cooking shit. game yet or a Harvest uh, You know what? I wouldn't, I wouldn't Persona doubt Dark. it. So, <laughs> I mean, I was, I was running around with some stuff, but one thing caught my eye that looked really interesting, and it was called uh, Abyss Odyssey. And it was just this, this game. I was like, well, what the hell is this? And the guy was describing it to me, and it's, 
basically it's it's a game that takes place in 19th century Chile. Right? Okay, now, are you with me? Go on. There are soldiers, and you're in this town, and you start with these... You can pick one of these three classes that have nothing to do with these soldiers, by the way. There's, like, a monk and some weird sorcerer lady, and they all look like monsters. You play, like, this weird-looking monster dudes, and uh, you basically what happens is a giant hole opens up in Chile called the Abyss, and you go into the hole and try to find out what's down there and stop it. That is the entire plot of the game thus far that I know. It is completely procedurally generated. All of the floors are completely different. There's easy, medium, and hard routes. They're all completely different and random every time you leave the abyss. Um, if you leave the abyss, all of your items and weapons disappear from the abyss, but you keep your levels. So every time you go back in, everything is different. And there's skill trees. It, it trust, okay, that sounds weird, um, but it's really ridiculously fun, and I was getting into it a lot. And when you die, the Chilean soldiers will even jump in and try to help you, and you take control of the soldiers. But then when they die, it's all over. But, um, yeah, I mean, you can still monster souls and turn into monsters. It was like, it's really, really involved, even though it's such a simple game. I know it sounds weird, but it's I'm, like, I'm you lose your weapons and items when you leave, but it's actually a really <laughs> simple system that it is actually fun. I'm glad that in spite of releasing a billion Persona games, Atlas is still doing their best to release some of the weirdest games. <laughs> well, it, 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 looked, it looked all hand-drawn. It was very, very pretty. And like I said, it was highly addictive. Um, regardless of like the thing I said, where you, if you leave the abyss, you can't quite make it to the end because it, it got ridiculously hard on the second floor and there's like 30 floors. Yeah. Um, like You lose all your stuff, but you keep your levels, and the levels are what are really important. So... Pretty great. Uh, Colin and I stood in line for Sunset Overdrive. Max Sakree, a uh, nerdy show listener, wanted us to check it out. And, uh, man, we almost got there before we had an appointment. <laughs> it was quite a long line. Uh, however, uh, the game's creator um, gave a spiel that we were uh, we could witness, and we watched some live play of it. And uh, though we didn't get hands-on, if even if we don't get a chance to check it out later, I think we, we actually have a better understanding of how it works we were a little worried to begin with that there was like um, that it was limited what you could really accomplish by jumping and bouncing and sliding all over everything. That it seemed almost like you know there was a track to it. There's no track to it, and uh, maybe it seemed a little easy. And uh, I think you know you can kill the basic enemies pretty easily because that's because it's fun to watch them explode in an energy drink. But because um, that's what they're made out of, kind of. Um, <laughs> but uh, but actually, there, there's a, there's a challenge. We saw it. We watched a developer die, and he had been playing the game all day for two days, and he was getting slaughtered. Yeah, I mean that. You know, the, you see that big baddie that was in the trailer, the weird like uh, the herker, res- the herker. Yeah, the Resident Evil Two monster they did, thing. They did, they did a good um, job coming up with a name for that guy, Herc. Like that's like that's like a, a kind of like barf kind of. Like, <laughs> you know, you, you, I didn't just when I thought there weren't. Any more ways to say barf? They found they got Herc, Herc, and, and, he, and, and when, when he dies, he, he pukes up this whole big orange mess of energy drink and then implodes. <laughs> <laughs> well, he the cool thing about it was that he not only are you able to go anywhere in this open world of Sunset Overdrive, you are also the enemies. Um, including the bosses are able to do that too. Climb up so on the building. He was jumping. the The player was jumping up onto the buildings to get away from Herc, and then uh, the Herker jumped up onto the building to follow him behind him, like just as fast. Yeah, it wasn't just like as a fast. slow moving thing. And he was, and he was getting owned by this by this little mini boss. And it was really kind of fun because it showed that it wasn't just a hack and slash that would eventually get boring. Because, I mean, you can jump around and be a superhero and all that kind of stuff. But if there's no challenge, then there's no point. And it seemed like there would be a challenge to the game. We're going to try to get some hands-on um, tomorrow. But if we don't, 
it's definitely a title to keep an eye on because yeah. it's a very interesting concept where I feel better about it. Yeah, like, like I don't, I still don't know what to make of it. Like it could be extremely and good or extremely not good. I don't yeah. know. And I think the combination of like uh, Jet Set Radio and uh, Zombies Hit My Neighbors is still feeling correct. Yeah, and it's this. also the another cool thing was that uh, all of the items and accessories are gender neutral. So. If you are, a oh, yeah, he male, like, if who cares what you wear? Exactly. If you're, if you are a male character, you can wear a skirt. Like it's, it's not it's, limited it's the, uh, to. If you're a girl, you don't have to have pigtails. Like you, whatever hair, whatever clothes, you can put on whatever character. Uh, what what do they call it? The the awesome apocalypse. Yeah, the awesome apocalypse. Like yeah. they're like it's the awesome apocalypse. Who cares? Yeah, like exactly. do whatever. No one's gonna stop you. Yeah, the, slap, yeah. the slap chop guy told us this. It was great. Yeah, <laughs> the sham wow guy. Um, Literally. Yeah. <laughs> not 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 literally. Um, no, no, I thought that was him. No, no, that's the game design. No, 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 no I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So it's a whole like Dead Rising Frank West uh, ridiculousness. It's great. Um, and uh, and then we went to well, we got we got kidnapped and thrown into a van and taken and, to a hotel and, and, and taken to the hotel where they filmed that scene in True Lies in, in the hotel. Um, <laughs> Uh, the Westin Bonaventure, and it, which is a which is a very neat hotel, went taken off site from E3 to Sony Online Entertainment's suite on the top floor. I think floor 37. 32. 32. Um, and, <laughs> Why do we have like a detail, like whatever? And they showed us some cool stuff. Um, all of all, so it's Sony Online Entertainment, so you know it's all uh, MMOs of various kinds. Uh, but we saw Planet Side Two and H One Z One. Yeah. Uh, not the flu virus. <laughs> no, the, <laughs> not the swine the, flu. But the zombie virus. But if you turn the Z sideways, it's the it's the swine flu. Yeah. So um, I, I was unfamiliar with Planet Side. Brent, you had a little bit of, of knowledge about it. Well, um, yeah, I heard of it. I never got into it. But um, after seeing Planet Side Two, I'm definitely not getting into Planet Side One because I'm gonna be playing Planet Side Two. And Planet Side Two is it's a it's a FPS MMO. That is similar to Eve in that it has um, a an economy and a society that is not influenced by the game designers. Yeah, they're, they're like it's not like a typical MMO where they're because I asked them about events or anything like that, and typically they don't do that sort of thing. It's just what the factions decide that they are going to do. And it's not an RPG. It no. is it is just an MMO. You go in, you're in a faction. Oh, I'm I'm purple. All right. Well, I'm gonna help the purple guys. And we're going to try to overthrow this continent with this server that can have 2,000 people on it and this, like, just, like, endless, endless world and endless bases. And right now, there's there's three there's three continents, and they're massive. They're I believe eight, they're worlds. They're three eight, worlds. Three worlds. They're, they're bringing into a fourth one, and you can conquer an entire world and get bonuses. Um, and the each world right now is eight... Eight by eight, like eight miles by eight, that you can do. Like I think it's larger than that. So you, you eight, might, if, they said eight k by eight k, right? If you're aware of this, you might be miles. saying Planet Side Two. That's out already. Well, what we saw was the PlayStation Four version, and we do have an interview, um, which we'll yep. link to it. But he did assure us you could have two thousand people on one map on PS Four. I was like, "Are you sure?" And they're like, "Yes." <laughs> and the like, cool thing about it is that uh, Planet Side Two is already out for the PC. It's already out for the PC. So you can see it in action, and so you can already see it in action. But what they are doing is that they are really taking the time to uh, not just port it to the PS4. They are really taking the time to take it from 
the keyboard and mouse to the controller. Like they want to keep it the same game, but give it the console. Because that's a experience. big that's a big difference. Because they were talking about auto assist. Because with a mouse, it's so much easier to be able to you know uh, get a headshot because you are using the extreme uh, sensitivity of a mouse and like twitch reflex exactly but with a but with a controller it's a, a little bit more difficult so they're they're trying to find the balance between auto assist versus uh the manual skill of the player um using the controller for the ps4 it's it's a very interesting project and it, and it looked really cool and other than the pc people will get certain features first but then the PlayStation 4 people will get the optimized versions of those following that because they will be refined and any any tweaks that need to be made when the, when the PlayStation 4 people get it it will be perfect when the PC people get it there could still be problems yeah and there's um the beta's coming out this year as well they said they're they're going to release it this year too but the beta is going to come out first so if you're not sure about the game um and you have a PS4 check it out cuz I'm definitely going to yeah. Two thousand. They said, you know, um, you know, there could be a base where like a hundred people are rating it, or all two thousand people could be trying to take over this base. Yeah, and and they're adding a new feature soon called like um, like world lockout, where Content lock. yeah, co- where basically you'll take over an entire world. If your faction gets an entire world, you get bonuses, and no one else can spawn in that world ever again until another world has been conquered. So your faction will own that planet. Until another planet has been completely and taken own over. Own that planet and reap stat bonuses from owning that planet yeah. in your battles for other planets. Yeah, so and then so that means that it pushes the pushes the armies of the other factions even harder to really conquer a planet. And they might and say, and fuck might, those guys. And they, they might both join up against you. Now they could probably still kill each other, but they're definitely gonna look at you first. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah no, it's it looks like a really cool game. Well and, thought out. Yeah, well thought out and uh you know we're gonna play we're gonna play the beta, so we'll see what happens. Yeah. What else did we see in that mysterious H one Z one? Okay, so there are there have been other uh, zombie MMOs out there, mostly indie projects, uh, and this one is the well, it's it's the it's a logical conclusion. It's the it's, it's the <laughs> one that's been backed by a major company. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and it takes it's it, but it is it is a zombie survival game in the truest sense. You're a person. You you need to eat. You need to drink. You need shelter. You need to chop down trees. It it is it has it has, it has elements of of Minecraft chopping literally chopping down trees in a forest and building things out of wood and uh, you know like fight, scavenging for items you know fighting off the the zombie hordes when that you know when that happens and also making uneasy alliances with people because humans are enemies as much as uh, as zombies are but at the same time. You're not gonna if you don't co-op. You're not gonna get anywhere. Yeah, and the really interesting thing was that they were describing uh, that um, some of the most dangerous aspects of the game are going to be other players. So you know when you go out into the wilderness, if you don't lock your shit, other players can come in and steal the stuff from your from your trunk. They can take over your house, and you're locked out and fucked. Um, also. <laughs> If you come out into the wilderness and you meet another player, I was asking about how does that, how is that going to work? Because, you know, in a computer game, it's different from, you know, if I was walking up to Max Bill during the zombie apocalypse and I see him with a gun and I have a gun, you know, we're immediately going to draw on each other and be like, what the fuck are you doing here? You know what I mean? Like they, he, they are allowing for proximity, um, microphone use so that you can talk back and forth to each other. 
um, in order to either negotiate an alliance or negotiate a ceasefire as you guys move away from each other or negotiate to kill the fuck out of each other. But the, cra so. the crafting system looked really cool. The fact that you can like go in a garage that's just sitting there and dilapidated and you can start boarding it up and make it your base out of nothing, yeah. which, which probably will take a while, looked really cool. But the most important thing I th I thought was the Survivor broadcast radio show. What was that? Live? It's like there. It's it's something that they're they're talking about doing, which is that they they want this to be so detailed. They want this to be so much of a world that there will be user based like CB radio stations within the world. People could potentially put on their own shows if you find their frequency. <laughs> yeah. So. There might be a nerdy show podcast on, hey, the, hey, uh, on ye old H one Z one. We should we should hope that H one Z one is so good that we in, we will inevitably end up inhabiting it. Yeah, no, it looks really cool. I I, I want to say as far if I ever came across you in zombie apocalypse, you want me to kill zombies? I'll kill zombies, but just know this: I'd happily kill you for free. <laughs> <laughs> oh, last samurai. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, that no H one Z one. It's a really interesting and deep, well thought out game that they are continuing to work on. Uh, originally, they could have released it with like they, like they, now, yeah, but like, they, they said could have released it they, now for the sake of quality. They're like, we'll release it when it's ready, and I agree with that because yeah. it needs to be more ready than it is now. Yeah, they have a huge list of things that they want to implement into the game that they so when it want debuts, to add. It's not just adequate; it's actually the best. It's yeah, the, yeah, yeah, every is on that point about being adequate. Everything you're telling me sounds like the the realization of what Daisy was hoping to accomplish with their yeah. you know their actual standalone release, which was. That sort of, you know, real zombie, you know, post-apocalyptic life. Whereas, you know, DayZ has a lot of the same features, but without the sort of vocal integration that the microphone poses. I, I just reminded of, like, the classic DayZ situation of walking up to, to a character and just not knowing what the fuck's going to go on. And, like, you try to do, like, the wave thing, and then they flick you off. <laughs> and, and, yeah, and, then, and then they just... The CB, the CB radio part of H1Z1 is, I, I think is going to be the most fun thing, because if you, if you can craft, somehow you're going to be able to build a device that lets you broadcast a signal. And you can fuck with people. You can tell everyone where you are and like lead them into this giant trap um, where like, you've set up like bombs or something. Like, like, you can totally fuck with people and be like, hey, there's this thing here, there's a bunch of stuff here, I need some help. And like you could lure a bunch of people if they're listening and then just fuck with and, them. And, and for the developer standpoint, they're all about facilitating things for the players like in the like they just want to keep building the world they 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 even talked about building you know a continent they, they said if we wanted to build something the size i'm literally the size i'm using literally right yeah. now of a continent they could easily do that i don't know how long that would take you to walk across probably as long as it would take you to really walk across a continent <laughs> yeah but um, but they're they're prepared to continue to expand the game and the features of the game so the players can continue to use the game. Like but only when necessary. Much like with, with PlanetSide, they're not worried about creating events for players. They're worried about creating an arena in which players will like find new ways to use what's there. Because they also said they don't want you to like, you know, be in the game and suddenly just see fifty people hanging around in like on a bridge. They want it to look they want it to be desolate. They want you to come across a human every now and then to the point where it's like, oh god, there's a person there. And, and if what you do I do? do see fifty people, something really fucked up is happening. Yeah, yeah. you'll never see I mean if you do then yeah, shit's going down. I mean you could even uh it's a gang and you, need have, to run. you could have like a fucking you can have a co compound of people working together and have something like situation with the governor. I mean you could have that's very and then, like possible. one person shows up and he's like 
what the fuck are all these people doing here? And you're like, give me your weapons and we won't kill you. you yeah. Know? Like, like, and they can't get away from you. The cool thing, too, is that they're, they're thinking about things like if you run out of ammo with your gun, your gun is still a weapon. It's not that your, your gun is useless because you don't have any bullets for it. You can still use the gun as a melee weapon, which... I've never seen before in anything because they're like, <laughs> "Hey, you're out of you're out of ammo. Sorry, you have to use your fists." Oh yeah, and you can and you can do fun things where you can leave your unloaded gun on the ground and hide and wait for someone to like come. Oh by look, and, it's a gun! And pick it up and then just like snipe them, <laughs> or like do it in an area with zombies and then just like they won't be able to it's kill like, anything. The gun is not a weapon. The gun is an object. Yeah, but it, it has many meanings. But, yeah. but this game is totally more about the world, the environment, and coming across other people more than I think the zombies. Yeah, which I think they even said it's so. social. It's a, it's a social experiment set in a zombie MMO. And I want it right now. This sounds like exactly what I want in real life. <laughs> like, I, 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 I have, no, I have a post-apocalyptic, like, kind of weird life wish that we all get to okay, reset it, it and see what, like, like I want to, I want to, I want to go loot myself a, a, a dune buggy and get a bunch of sheet metal and sheet metal up my place. And Do you have, have like, a, a plan? Little, Do you know like, where to get all Mad this? Max? Like, if I this actually, happened tomorrow, I actually, what would you I, do? I have looked up uh, local dune buggy dealers in Los Angeles. What is wrong with you? Just to loot in case the apocalypse happens? Yeah, I talk about it all the time. I talk about good places up in the Hollywood Hills in order to, you know, go kind of start like a little monastery of anti zombiness. You don't think all the rich people are still going to be no, up in the hills? I think about this a lot. Spillville. <laughs> Spillville? No, it's, it's, it's Spillville. 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 Yeah. Spillville. Small. Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So what we do after we went to H1Z1? Okay, we, we went to a little place called In Dreams. And this is a company that has been working with PlayStation for a number of years. They've created many environments within PS Home, actually. And currently they're working on what I believe is their first game game. And this first game game is for Oculus or Project Morpheus. It is a VR game. That's kind of like they describe the plot as like what if Google went wrong? Um, <laughs> I don't know what that means. I mean, if you type like, Google in Google, like it goes a, wrong. A, a science lifestyle foundation, much like I suppose maybe like if you weren't seeing Aperture Science after the fall of humanity in Portal, like during at during that with like weird tests that don't make sense, uh, then you end up being a part of that. Um, and Colin and I played a short VR demo. I had my first hands-on with the Oculus Rift, and it was very impressive. Now, I didn't get to play it because I was busy fixing someone's mistake, um, Colin. But, so yeah, please, please describe a little bit more, because I, I'm, I feel like I'm missing the experience. So you put on these, it's like a headset. Yeah, you put on... They give you a headset. You put on, one, put on the VR you, headset. They give you the Oculus? Or? Not the Oculus, yeah. Um, no, I haven't, haven't done Project Morpheus yet. I mean, is there a controller or just a visual aspect? Well, there's a controller. Um, if you put on the headset, put on the headphones, and at this point, like, it's not like it's... You're a, in. It, it's not sensory deprivation. It's, like, sensory, sensory sublimation. Like, my senses were traded for some, for a virtual person's senses completely. Yeah. Um. It was very bizarre, because I remember sitting, sitting with the Oculus on my face, and the earphones on my and ears. And it's light. Yeah, it's very light. It's comfortable. And Cap could wear it with his glasses on. And he mm -hmm. and did. That, was that comfortable? Yeah, I think it, long long term, um, I, I actually wear computer glasses for different levels of focus because um, I have to. Yeah. Uh, and I think that would be preferable. Sure. But uh, but it worked just fine. Excellent. So I mean, I had that stuff on, 
and I would turn to my right and I knew that Cap was sitting in a chair next to me and just, you know, watching me have the experience talking to the developers and it was odd to not see him. What did you see? I mean, I saw, I saw this virtual room that I was in and it felt very bizarre to feel like uh, it, it kind of felt like I was going a little crazy. Like you're in, you're part of the machine. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, but because you were, it was like you were transported to a different virtual space it, that is that was not that was inside this other reality. So it's successful because that's the whole this, point. Yes. This was actually what virtual reality was supposed to be twenty years ago, as described. Damn it, and I missed it. Hopefully we'll get more hands-on with Oculus tomorrow. We're really going to try there, for it. Because there, Alien is in Oculus. Yeah, there is I a, can't even handle that there information. There is Oculus support for Alien. Do you think we'll get the VR Troopers game that we've always so desperately <laughs> wanted? <laughs> <laughs> we are VR. Troopers train virtual reality, man. Oh, fuck. Uh, <laughs> talking no. dogs, man. Yeah, but it was, a, it was basically like a puzzler. Like a very simple... A uh, puzzle game that was like you're trying to get out of a room, and, and, and really, was, I think was, what we played was really a proof of concept for yeah. a larger game. Yeah, like, uh, but, but I, the it, experience of it is like the whole thing. It, yeah, it starts off with you in the body of, of a woman uh, strapped to like a gurney, uh, being wheeled down a hallway, watching experiments happen, and then uh, knocked out and dumped in a room. Uh, that then starts being filled with poison gas, and you have to figure out how to get out of it. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, and the crazy is this thing. World War II? Yeah, and the crazy no, thing about it was that. that it was really interesting because I was I'm so used to using the controller in order to like look up and down by tilting up and tilting down, but that didn't do anything. I could turn left and right my body, but if I wanted to turn my field of vision, I needed to use my head. So if I was looking up or, or if I needed my character to look up, I had to physically look up, which was a very interesting and different experience. See, what's weird? I don't think, like, yeah, full virtual reality sounds like it's getting there, but until you're you actually turning your body turns your character, I think that... Well, to those me, do to me, have like, those. I, I feel like that... That would just make me throw up the minute I realized that. Wait, turning like like pivoting my waist doesn't do jack shit to my or you know like not pivoting my waist, but actually turning to the left doesn't do anything unless I actually do it with the controller. Right. I feel like that would be like instant puke mode if it was like a fast. It's motion a, they thing. do have those. They do have those big rigs that the Oculus. They do have those things. There, that, where you I can hear there's walk one at E3 and it's quite good. Yeah. Um, so where you basically walk in place, but it feels completely natural. And I've I've heard reports of people you know using Oculus to jog through Skyrim as a morning jog jog through Skyrim feels like the nat- most natural thing in the world. But and, that can't be affordable technology. Yet. It's it's not. Uh, but it we could, don't know what the price point of the Oculus is for. But for, I mean that machine know, lets you walk and beyond place. the Kickstarter and all that. Kind That's of stuff. what I want. Huh? Like I don't know what that machine is that lets you walk in place without like. Fucking up your it was originally room. part of the whole Ar- Oculus Experience. rig, um, but that is not that's not something that they're talking about in terms of releasing to the general public where they are, you know, doing their thing. Um, but they are trying to In Dreams is trying to release um, this game in its final form um, when the either the Oculus is supported. Or the Morpheus is supported by the platforms. Yeah, it is actually planned to be a launch game. They don't know when that is, or they're not saying when that is, but it is. The game's called The Assembly, by the way, um, and it does it does look to be like kind of like a, a not not portal in physics, but portal atmosphere kind of mist game, really. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, which not is, hyper-realistic textures or anything like that. Not, at least but, not yet. Not right. the proof of concept. Um, but it was extremely cool. Um, and I'm, I'm very excited. If, if this tech, you know, is it going to be commercially viable? I don't know. It but depends what, on the price point. Right. But what I do know is that right now it is actually the virtual experience that was suggested it should have been back when we were kids. And that's pretty neat. It's really cool to hear you say that. Just you know, uh, hearing that in the same day that I, I personally, while uh, discussed the use of holograms at my place of work in a legitimate sense, it was actually, and I'm like, holy shit, holograms and virtual reality in the same day. Holy crap, it's happening! It's very exciting. <laughs> it's the future, so well. yeah, it's it, it's it's almost here. Just need to start levitating those cars. That's right. <laughs> Whoop. <laughs> Uh, okay, what, what then? We uh, we went to the Bethesda booth, and we checked out two games, both of which were fucking awesome. We'll start with the one that I checked out, and then we'll go into the one that Colin fell head over heels in love with. I saw The Evil Within, which is a survival horror game from the guy who created Resident Evil. Mm. And it's like, if you took the best parts of Resident Evil 1 and 4... And Silent Hill. And Silent Hill... And a bunch of other stuff that's like maybe more accrued to actual survival elements and put it into one game. Um, the Resident Evil within Silent Hill. <laughs> yeah. Because you see a lot of like, like you know, uh, Resident Evil was... The residing like, evil. Yeah, there, were some, there were some freakish, <laughs> there were some freakish monsters, um, but the psychological horror that the creatures from Silent Hill represent was not really an element of it. In this, you definitely see that psychological horror element, but within a setting that's a lot more like the kind of uh, not not like modern medieval aspect of Resident Evil Four with the puzzle solving of classic Resident Evil. The story looked really intense, and I don't know what to relate it to. Was it kind of like Alan Wake or not? No, I and honestly, I don't know what to make of the story yet. You play uh, a cop, but like maybe like an unconventional cop. I I I, I play this one level. I, saw, um, I just saw you cutting open a body with a knife on a table when I walked in. Like, honestly, I had no idea. It was like a mini game. I had no idea what you were doing. You were holding a knife and like, I gotta line it up with his chest. And I, was like, and I like left and I was like, I don't know what he did. If you go to the side, does it zap you? You know, like operation? <laughs> you missed the bone. Oh, man. You got my funny bone. Yeah, explain that. Uh, well, uh, okay. I play this level. I'm walking with this guy uh, th- through this level. I guess it's a, it's a hostel or something. It's, uh, it's, very, it's very moody. It's very dark. Um... And uh, he, we're looking for his brother. We get to this like um, we get to this room. It looks kind of kind of kind of grungy. And he th- he thinks someone he knows is there. You hear this doctor kind of saying like, these things. You get the feeling okay, there's got to be something fucked up here. Something something's very wrong. But you get behind this curtain, this um, and this guy is obsessively opening this corpse, like just like let let all the insides out. And then you, he turns and looks at you, and his face is like torn wide open. So he and his eyes are glowing. So something's really fucking wrong with him. I don't know what the plot of this game is yet. <laughs> he comes at you. You start firing, and it's like it's intense. But here's the thing: in this game, if you if you kill someone with a headshot, they're not dead. No creature is dead unless you burn it, mm. and and matches or other things to 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 like light things on fire with are extremely valuable resources. Right off the bat, there's two modes of play. There's one that's going to get you through the game, you know, like regularly. It has kind of like simple aiming. Uh, supplies aren't too hard to find. But then there's survival mode. And that's like, it's a big step from there's one to the one other. one match 
in the entire game. Save it for the boss. <laughs> no, but but it, but it's it's Don't more miss. it's more limited. It's more um it will it will con- it will be that's that's the one you want. If you want this game to put you through the ringer, be challenging and also like more like scary because like, there there's there's some great jump moments, some stuff you just don't see coming. Like uh like kind of much like what I said about Alien, like what Resident Evil was for you when you were a kid that totally wore off as an adult because it was all cheap. This stuff is not cheap. And uh, and it's well deployed. It's not like whereas Alien is like genuine terror. This is like horror movie terror. It's like super gore and like ah oh, that thing just jumped out at me. Like there's a, there's things coming out of his throat and that looks gross. So I found out that I, I saw an X-ray that showed a pair of keys in this bot in this corpse after I killed this dude. And then I had to uh, uh, slice him open to get the keys out. And it's. <laughs> After I've got my hand in him, that corpse comes alive. <laughs> <laughs> you ruined a surprise for me. I would have never have known. Uh, the game, I don't know what state it's in right now as far as uh, like the development of it exactly. I think it's, it's coming out later this year. Load times were atrocious. Uh, really, really bad. Well, the and graphics looked a bit not that great too. The next. graphics were great, actually. I it's it's a the video I saw was weird and buggy. The the I don't understand the video they showed us looked worse than the game I played. I played it on the PS4, and I think that there's there's maybe a, a disconnect there because it, I believe it's available for PS3, PS4, Xbox 360, Xbox One. So it's a it's a one of the last last cusp games. And uh but the PlayStation 4 one it looked great. It looked gorgeous. But like maybe like a high-end PS3 game, but hey, whatever. It's the last of its generation, sure. It looks it looks just fine. I just hope that the load times clean up a bit. But I, I man, I, I thought this... It, I started playing some puzzles in, in another round, and, um, you know, I was, like, I was like collecting these things. I was trying to put together what exactly they wanted me to do. It was neat. It felt like all the parts I loved about Resident Evil and haven't really been able to... That haven't been present in recent Resident Evils. Was it, like, bullshit puzzles, though? Like, make these three things line up in the door and lock. So far, no. Okay. Um, not, not, not what I saw. So... It looks cool, and there's and there's things that attack you. There's things that attack you in this game that you cannot kill, just like in Silent Hill. So you gotta like some things you have to kill and you have to dispose of, and some things you can't kill. You just need to run. So, so what it's, what it's great. It's the best of doctor guy, like with the corpse. You needed those keys. Yeah. What if you didn't have anything to like light him on fire and kill him? You like knock him he, out. Then he would come back. You just gotta yeah. hurry. If I didn't set him on fire, he would come back. Yeah. Oh Jesus. <laughs> Moving on to Battle Cry. Yes. Oh yeah, tell us about that game. Looked interesting. Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you guys about Battle Cry. Tell me the tell me the lore behind. Yeah, l- Battle let me Cry. let's let's set you up for Battle Cry because Brandon and I saw the video presentation While you and were I just played the game like an hour. Yeah. So Battle Cry is the first game from a brand new studio called Battle Cry. They've been around since 2012. They've worked on things like Team Fortress 2 and The Old Republic. Um, at various you know developers from different places. Anyway, new team, and they've created this game that looks like something that's. Uh, similar but very different from Team Fortress that could genuinely give Team Fortress a run for its money. Hyper stylized, uh, hyper stylized, like a, car- a cartoon realism based on a very neat, well thought out premise of what if World War One happened hundreds of years before World War One happened, and it led to a treaty on gunpowder. So there's the Black Powder Treaty because the the atrocities committed by uh, you know by by guns were were too much. So this has evolved into a twentieth, early twentieth century, without gunpowder. Um, they've created these war zones, which are formerly places for actual like 
war battles, which then over the years turned into essentially arenas for political decisions by combat. And this is the premise in which this uh, multiplayer deathmatch team game comes from. There's different character classes, and they're all really unique, especially because they rely on either not not exactly steampunk, not exactly dieselpunk, something else, some kind of some kind of new uninvented punk uh, <laughs> uh, stylings, and uh, and completely no conventional projectile weapons like as we know them. No guns. There's archery. There's some tech stuff, but not not what we not like rockets and such. Um, Colin, you had the most hands-on with it. That's yeah. that's the premise. That's what we were. That's what we were told. Yeah. No, I had a ton of. I had. I played about maybe three or four matches, and then by by the time I finished the mat, the last match, I was uh, like me and this other guy who was sitting next to me because we were both actually waiting for our team to finish what you guys were doing. So we played a whole bunch of matches of Battlecry, and it was so much fucking fun. I am not a. I mean, like. I'm not ashamed to say it. I'm not very good at the shooting uh, uh, online. The Call of Duty, the battlefield. I'm not. Go- I'm not very good at them. I don't have the either the speed or I can't see fast enough in order to shoot them exactly where they need to. Because I watch the videos of people doing this, and I'm like, how is that even a headshot? But that's 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 uh, besides the point. There are no weapons like that in this game. You have to melee and you have to brawl. Like every single player has to continually move. You can't camp. You can't even sit the, even the archer. Even the archer. Like they have to continually move. You have to find other people to fight with. And so the game is constantly moving. It's constantly changing. It's constantly evolving into this really interesting, frenetic, fun battle. Um, and I was mostly playing as the Enforcer, which was on the yellow side was a, this the Cossacks. Awesome, yeah, was this awesome like chick um, who was like really, 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 really awesome. And then on the other side, the red was was a male. Um, but they're the Bruiser or the Warrior, and they they had these special powers where you know they could spin around or they could have they had a dash power. Um, it, everybody has like all these different um, specials as as every class does. Um, but it was uh, it was great. I, I cannot wait to play this game. And I played a round of it, and it was really fun. It was really fun. The the beta sadly doesn't come out though even until next year. Yeah, so the ba- we, the, we have to wait a bit. Yeah, the beta is next year. The beta. Yeah, um, the beta will be next year. However, um, they have said, and this is the coolest thing about this game: it's a free to play game. It is not. Um, it's not physical, at least not yet. Um, it's going to be a download, a downloadable game. It's completely free to play. And when I talk to them about free to play, I talk to them about microtransactions. And in that, they told me that the way they are going to do microtransactions are just for vanity's sake. Um, that, that, that's uh, Team Fortress, that's the way yeah. they do it. The only hats and skins and all that other stuff. Any You can still do stuff like that. It's just, it's, without microcredits, it's just different. For instance, like um, at the end of each match, right? Like they, it's neat. They set up this like you have like a minute, and you can like congratulate the other players or or not, and then you can like sh- like salute and accept medals, and you use these medals like iron to buy other weapons yeah. and, and items and things. 
everything. So it's really cool. So that'll probably speed up that process. But what they said was that you can't, it's not going to be a system where you can pay to win. Yeah. Like, yeah, you, like you'll get a better exactly, weapon than everyone. That's Team know. Fortress's free play system is, is no weaponry, no anything like that. It's, it's literally just vanity is, is the, you know, where you can spend your cash. Oh, we should yeah. mention there's also a war effort. Like there's this map where you can see basically there's three factions. They've only announced two and you can see which faction's leading. You can jump in yeah. and, and help them try to take over certain parts of the world and stuff. Yeah. And they even said that there's going to be, there's going to be more factions. There's going to be more classes. classes. Um, and it's, it, I mean, man, I was so elated after playing that game. I have not had that much fun playing a video game with other people in such a long time. So you, you've you've mentioned the developer. Was it a known publisher, or is this something? Like it's published through Bethesda. Oh, it's Bethesda. Oh, okay, so there's some like might behind like getting a push. That's cool. Yeah, and cool. and also as as we were leaving on the screen, I saw a new uh, Doom game. But you know that's that's just that's just cool. Unless everyone already knows that, I didn't know that, and I'm really a big fan of Doom and hoping that this one's better than the last. I thought I heard the Doom door. While I was in the hall the other day, it, there was, actually, there it was actually totally it, it threw me off. I was just like, "Was that Doom?" <laughs> yeah, they were, and I'm like, "No, were, I, think I must have heard." It something. was behind like, something you couldn't see unless you were in the Bethesda area. So yeah, it, it, totally a new Doom game. Don't know anything about it. Cyber Demon looks cool as hell. Looks twenty feet tall. Done. <laughs> <laughs> the very last thing that we did today was we went back to Devolver to see if we could get into Hotline Miami, which we did. Hotline Miami two, two, yes. Wrong number. Uh, so we talked with the creator of the game, and uh, he was a really cool dude with some very awesome nerd tattoos all over his arms. And, man, okay, so here's the shit I didn't know about. It may have actually been announced at the show, I'm not even sure. I knew Hotline Miami 2 was going to be the last thing that they did for Hotline Miami. Um, the story is going to be something that's set like before, during, and after Hotline Miami, based on background character plots that the char- that the creators had just sort of come up with to amuse themselves. Um, this is some other story winding behind it. What they've done so that Hotline Miami can continue to live and exist after they leave the series and move on to something new is they've built a level editor. And it's not just a level editor. They actually fully intend for it to be essentially a game creator. It comes with the game. Yeah, it comes with the game. Uh, and he demoed that for us, so you can make your own Hotline Miami style games, or even continue the series if you want to in your own with your own story uh, via this map editor. Yeah, he the, was saying that he was saying that you could very well make Hotline Miami three. Yeah, the series could continue forever through the users. And they, yeah. and they said they spent it was very difficult for them to make it simple. Because they wanted to make the editor easy for everyone to use, but it was actually it was very complicated for them to make it that Simple. easy. To uh, use. For yeah. those of you who haven't played Hotline Miami, I, I suppose I should have said this earlier. Uh, it's in, it's an incredible, super fun, hyper stylized experience. It's horrifyingly violent, even though the graphics are like are done in such a retro way that you can't really perceive the scope of it. It just um, it's just extremely intense, and the thing is, it's also very addictive. It's about it's about busting into a room or a building and killing absolutely everyone because it's all like one hit kills, the whole thing. So you have to run in there and get everybody before they get you because one hit and you are fucked. Just like real life, except that it's not. But um, 
and you wear animal masks to give you different powers. Just like Miami. The story was super trippy and, and dark and, and had some great allegory to the whole concept of just video game violence. And and, 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 and Ronald Reagan's America. Yes, like, it was terrific. It, it's, it's set in the late 80s, the original one. And uh, yeah, it's, it's very Lynchian um, and also very, very styled after both um, Drive and some of the most intense parts of Miami Vice. Um, and the soundtrack is incredible. So the original game is something I can't recommend enough. I absolutely love it. And the fact that we can get more of it is greatly exciting to me. And the premise of being able to create more, um, more levels, just like for the game to continue, the idea of a franchise continuing to exist after its creators have, have done what they want with it is such a brilliant idea and it's great that they're able to that the game is you know stylized in such a way so that they can actually give that to the fans like once they're done with it it becomes our game like we can do whatever with it we can yeah. do absolutely anything and they, they said they were going to be adding more items to the level editor there's about 500 right now but they said there'll be more but yeah you can place rooms place items in the rooms and you can set where you drive up to it and what enemies are inside what the rooms, weapons they have, what whatever. weapons they have and you can also even down to what music is playing in the room and they, they want to make it so you can um eventually edit like scenarios and, and, and cut scenes yeah they're they going to do that eventually stuff, so but and they they didn't exactly lay it out but they he did say that they are going to make it so that it's obviously available for everybody to but to you, to you share make these levels people can get a hold of it and not just on PC, but on platforms as well. And Hotline Miami and all the Devolver catalog are coming to PlayStation, which is another big feather in the cap of Sony this year, where they have absolutely decimated. Like they just they've just kicked so much ass with what they're showcasing for this. Like new I'm a I'm a huge Sony fanboy and I'm I'm a little depressed at like the other companies, you know, because I, I did want a lot more. I, I, thought, I thought Microsoft's preview for their smaller indie games was that was actually pretty impressive. It was great, and except I'm, that they didn't show me much about it. Like, I can't go into a thing and play them right now, but I could for the Sony ones. And I'd like to see more, and maybe it would change my opinion. Sony is supporting their indie developers a lot better because, than uh, but you, you can Because you can go to the, so the Sony area and play... Indie games and mm -hmm. talk with the developers. Indie section. There's there's a, a game called A Night in the Woods that I kickstarted last year that is on That's the cool. floor cool. with the creators there at Sony and like. So it's not just like a bullshit major corporation like saying they're gonna do something. They, like, they're taking care of them. They've seen how the gamers and the industry have fallen in love with indie games and and doing things that don't have to be AAA titles. And Sony is for for some reason, and I, I'm glad they're doing it. Supporting them 100%. And, like, it's not like they're being forced. Like, you know, we've talked to some of these developers. They're really happy with the way things are going, so. So that was day two, and it was... Man, that was huge. day two. And all I can say is keyboard, drum set, fucking werewolf. <laughs> yeah, key keyboard, drum set, fucking werewolf is the name of uh, Dennis from... Um, Hotline Miami. From Hotline Miami's band. And uh, its logo <laughs> is uh, is the same Ninja Turtles logo that Nerdy Show parodies. And they said that was actually the first game they made, and you can look it up. Yeah, uh, it's, all, it's, it's it. a band, it's a game, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> Keyboard yeah. drum set. Yeah, it says Nerdle. in the orange in the orange top where we say the nerd, number one nerd podcast on the net, it says... Or the original it? name in Nerdcasting. What is it? 
It says keyboard drum set fucking, and then in, in, and, in the green ninja turtles font werewolf. Yeah, and he has a tattoo on his a giant tattoo. It's on like his half arm. his arm. Yeah, <laughs> so awesome. he's serious about that shit. Yeah, yeah. At so. least he was. He can't ever remove it. <laughs> <laughs> so now that was awesome. So that was day two. Yeah. You guys ready for day three? We have a whole nother one tomorrow. We'll oh, hope, man. We, hopefully we'll have the stamina to put out some videos tomorrow morning. We'll we got, see. We got some stuff lined up and hopefully... Friday we'll will be the stuff. huge day of videos. So stay yeah. stay stuck to your computer and uh, uh, keep your alerts on for the for the Friday releases. Yeah, uh, and as far as uh, Nerdy Show support, if you're just tuning in for the first time, we are a completely listener-supported podcast and podcast network. We rely on you to get us through the month. And uh, we give you cool stuff in return. Even a dollar gets you a slew of awesome stuff in your email. We have a Dungeons & Doritos support drive this month, which means that you get to choose, create or choose, the cam- a campaign for us with Dungeons & Doritos. If you have an idea for a campaign that you want us to play, then you can pitch it. Just slide some money our way. And, uh, and it gets up on the leaderboard there. If you don't have a campaign but you want to support one of these categories, then you can ba- back it yourself. Um, we've got a bunch of really phenomenal stretch goals, including one at the top, which will let you actually choose a what if an out of continuity what if episode for Dungeons and Doritos. Nerdy Show user Delphi had an interesting idea, kind of a rough outline of a campaign that would involve holy monkeys, which is one of Hex's favorite exclamations. So you say, "Holy monkey!" Uh, so he's just so excited about something. So. Uh, They'd like to put VMAC against some kind of holy monkey scenario, but they didn't know what it was. So, uh, I, I, and I, I put forth that, yes, uh, Delphi, you can, you can have an idea that is as loose as that. I want VMAC to deal with holy monkeys in some way, leave it up to the game master to discern what. Or the community could throw ideas back and forth until you guys decide on something. Also completely viable. This is as much your support drive as it is ours. Um, in, in this in this regard, because you guys hopefully know and love Dungeons and Doritos, and um, you get to decide what kind of hell our characters go through. <laughs> also, we need you guys to vote for us in the best of Orlando. This uh, every year, uh, Orlando Weekly, the the number one independent newspaper in Orlando, puts on their best of list, and many of a uh, Nerdy Shows things, Nerdy Shows affiliates, Nerdy Shows friends and family. If you're if you're familiar with the Nerdy Show family of podcasts and creatives. Many of the people that, uh, that you know and love are on this list, and we, uh, it's good to be recognized within our own community and our community of supporters from beyond Orlando. So if you're fans of like Mark with a C, Sci-Fi, Random Encounter, A Comic Shop, Nerdy FM, or of course Nerdy Show or The Geek Easy, we would love to have your support. This year it was done differently. Uh, Orlando Weekly asked everybody to nominate people to then be voted on. The nomination part is over. And now it's time to vote. And we're happy to say that thanks to you guys, we're on almost every single category out of many categories able to vote for. So we just need you guys to vote for us. We're up there now. We're in the running. But you got to seal the deal. Cap's on the list for uh, top radio personality. Yeah. Right? Awesome. Holy shit. Right? That's, that's a first. Usually uh, the only like name from the, from the uh, like I guess our, our affiliates is uh, Aaron is always n- the, the number one big shot. He's beaten out... Uh, Famous sports stars from the Orlando area. Thank you guys. Like I was actually, uh, that was actually really surprising. Uh, That's never, my name's never appeared on this list before, independent of Nerdy Show. So that was really, really cool. So if you want to know how to how to do all that, we'll have a link on this episode's page. But uh, you can also find it on nerdyshow.com. Scroll scroll through our news feed on the right hand side, and uh, also on uh, on Facebook, there should be a pretty prominent link. 
showing you uh, basically what categories we have uh, people in the running for. And if you if you have extra time, some uh, some other places near and dear to our heart that um, that we think are great, uh, other nerdy places in Orlando that deserve some love. Yeah. So please, please, please take the five minutes that it will take to. Uh, do this. Small yeah, this boat. one's way easier than the other one. Yeah, it would only take about five minutes to do this, but it would make the world of difference to to us because uh, these make a really large difference in terms of ad- it's free advertising for the show. Yeah, and that that brings a lot of people to to us, and that's what keeps us alive. And and the nerd community in Orlando is so um, so bustling. It would be it would be really cool if uh, you know if that was represented in our, our local magazine, which is usually what people turn to when they come to town and say, "Hey, what what do I want to do?" That's not a bunch of fucking Disney World bullshit. Um, <laughs> so uh, that's what it's all about. Orlando is, you know, is, is an emerging nerd mecca. So let's make sure that that's that that's well represented. Uh, so that's it. This has been day two. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back for the final day tomorrow, and of course, look forward to all the videos um, coming out on Friday and, and intermittently. But um, but but man, there's going to be a ton of videos coming out on Friday. Watch it. Um, I'll be working like a beast. Yeah, beast. I'm um, going to be on a plane doing nothing. Uh, <laughs> typical. So, I, I'm gonna be up there with my bird friends. I need to do that. I need to talk to it. It's been a while. You can always check into the Mile High Club, Brandon. With myself? With the birds. Yeah. A selfie. Selfie Mile High. Yeah. Woo! Selfie High Club. You know, you can't disable the smoke alarms in the bathrooms, but there's plenty of other things you can do in there. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, right. thanks so much for listening. Bye, I'm Cap. Bye, I'm Brandon. Bye, I'm Colin. Bye, I'm Matt. See ya. Hey you! Thanks for listening to Nerdy Show. We mean that. As listener-supported entertainment, we rely on you to keep this and other shows on the Nerdy Show Network alive by telling a friend, rating and reviewing us on iTunes, shopping at nerdyshow.com store, or directly donating to the network. Any size contribution gets you exclusive Nerdy Show audio and images and lets you participate in our monthly support drives. Just go to nerdyshow.com support to chip in. To find out how you or your company can underwrite this or other Nerdy Show programming, visit nerdyshow.com slash sponsorships. For more episodes of Nerdy Show, as well as other fine programs, community forums, videos, articles, and more, head over to nerdyshow.com. You can subscribe to all Nerdy Show Network podcasts via the iTunes store, and for the latest news, follow us on all your favorite social networks. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.